And for the first week or so, my mood swings were incredible, just huge. Going from thinking, oh, this is the best thing that could happen for the climate to I don't know how I'm going to get through this sort of in an hour. Do you know that that kind of oscillation? Hello and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides navigating a pandemic. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, tour guide in Berlin, and today I'm talking to Izan Choksi. She's actually one of the first people I spoke to. I hadn't really come up with a title for the show yet, nor did I know exactly what I was going to ask. I was actually just looking for some good chat, and Izzy's always the right person for that. In this episode, we speak about what it is to be under lockdown with a two-year-old kid. What do I, how much, how much can I really expect to do when I'm doing full-time childcare? Like how much can I really expect of myself at this time? We talk about Berlin as a source of inspiration during hardships. And using Berlin and Berlin's history and Berlin's um, capacity to weather storms. But first, let's appreciate the fact that Izan, a longtime podcaster herself, was very kind to try and create a little studio in her house in the Schillerkeets. Hello. 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 Hey, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> how are you doing? I am quite all right. I'm quite all right. Um, yeah, it's like uh, midday. I'm still in my uh, pajamas. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, sitting underneath the, my cover and in, on my bed, and I'm, yeah, I'm getting quite hot actually already. I know, I know. It's like a, it's a horrible experience. Like, um, if if this doesn't work, maybe um, we don't need to do it this way. Like, I I remember from being under the covers, it can be really, really uncomfortable after like five or ten minutes. It's just like a little sauna in here. Like my breath is. It's just circulating in one space and it's starting to warm me up and maybe it's like doing a Bikram yoga or something. This is probably good for my health, maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Certainly not good for my neck. Okay, I'm going to come out from underneath uh, the cover. It's just too hot. It's just life, you know? This is like we're, we're, not, we're not living in audio studios. <laughs> That's not how it works. No, it's certainly not. No, it's certainly not. Tell me, maybe tell me what you just did. I uh, just put my son to bed. Um, he he is having a wild time at the moment with mum and dad all the time at home. Um, and we just had a pasta lunch, which was really quite delicious with spinach and white wine creamy sauce and parmesan cheese. He got really full from that, sleepy. We read a book about dinosaurs and then he went to sleep. Awesome. How, how, what, what do you mean wild time? Is that like a good thing? Oh, uh, yeah. He's loving life. He's having the best time. I think he misses, he definitely misses uh, Kita, Chalka, because um, I think he misses his friends and he keeps talking about people in his life who he's not seeing at the moment. Um, how old is your son? He's going to be two on Tuesday in two days. And two-year-olds already have friends. Oh, yeah. I mean, they really idolize adults and older children, especially. So the ones that he's talking about a lot are older children that he knows. So his cousin, for instance, Heidi. Um, I mean, we see them three or four times a year, but he doesn't spend that much time with them because they live in Munich. But he talks about her 
all the time. Um, so I guess that's that's a funny, that's that's an interesting one. He's talking about Heidi a lot and he talks about his babysitter, Lucy. She comes around like once a week. Um, and who else does he talk about? He talks about a girl called Emily as well, who's the older sister of a friend of his from Kita. So yeah, I think, I think they really do idolize the older kids at this stage, which is why he's talking a lot about them. Um, but it's clear that he's missing other people in his life, but he's I mean, overall, his needs are definitely being met because he's got mum and dad around all the time. And I think he loves that. So that's cute. I can imagine. I can imagine also he's too young to really understand what's going on, is he? Oh, yeah, totally. He doesn't get it. I mean, he was really, he was aware that there was a lot of stress in the house uh, the first week of quarantine or whatever this is, self-isolation, social distancing, whatever we're supposed to be calling it. I'm very hazy on the differences between all of the definitions. But um, there was quite a lot of stress in the house, in the household, and he was um, he was taking that on to some extent, and he was kind of acting out as a result. But since the stress levels have massively reduced... We're all kind of getting into a new routine and figuring out how to make this work for everyone. And since then, um, he's, uh, yeah, he's just gone back to normal. He's super happy. He's um, he's absolutely fine. His appetite is perfect. He's he's just gorgeous and laughing about stuff. And he's he's bursting with words like he's just started repeating everything that we say, which is a, a little bit, yeah, it's like... It was just so sweet that it's happening now um, because he's been he's had like maybe four or five words that he's just repeated for about nearly nine months, 10 months. And now he's just bursting. He's just like going from word to word to word, repeating everything that we say, um, which is so cute. So I feel that sentences are going to come soon. And then and then my child will be talking to me. And that is so cute to think about but also kind of terrifying I don't know I find the notion of thinking about him being able to form entire sentences quite scary hey Izzy can you maybe can you maybe uh, talk a little bit you said that there was uh, quite a bit of stress in the household can you maybe talk a little bit about what that stress consisted of well yeah it was mostly coming from me um because it was really like I mean I guess a similar experience to the one that you had um, mid-March just blew up my entire life. Uh, over about two days, I lost all my work for the next, what, six weeks. And as a freelancer, obviously, you don't really make much plans two months in advance, but like six weeks got a pretty packed schedule and lost all that work in about two days. And it was coming to that realization that it probably wouldn't be coming back uh, over the summer. And it would be a summer of lost work. And as a tour guide, obviously we make our money in the summer and we sort of squirrel it away for the, the less um, profitable months in the winter. And so that was a really terrifying prospect of like losing so much work um, over the summer. And then I... Yeah, just sort of, you know, going from from 100 to, to nothing um, within a couple of days, I found very stressful um, thinking about how I would cope with that financially, how we would cope with that financially. Um, 
we also had some bad news about our our camper van um, which meant that we had to we had to sell that and it all kind of happened over a couple of days and it was it just kind of felt like the the world had just changed overnight and everything was different and we had to now come to a a totally different understanding of like what our day-to-day existence would be like um and for the first week or so my mood swings were incredible just huge um going from thinking oh this is the best thing that could happen for the climate to I don't know how I'm going to get through this sort of in an hour do you know that that kind of oscillation and obviously that had a you know an effect on my ability to like you know fully mother Yannick um, my son and um, also realizing that for the next months um i'm just gonna be at home with him because the the kita's closed as well within a couple of days of me losing all my work the kita's then shut and so he's been home for yeah i guess like three and a half weeks now so um so yeah i guess that that caused like a lot of stress and this is something that that me and and georgia also talked about we recorded a conversation about not just the stress that we personally have, which is lots of stress if just all your income, all your prospects of work just vaporize, but then also there's the added thing of being then having to self isolate and quarantine, being in a in a very sort of confined space with well, in your case, your husband and your child. So taking all that stress into account and then also not being able to sort of escape from one place how, how how does that how do you how do you navigate that um but but i mean like yeah it's difficult i feel a lot of pressure to take him out a lot um take him outside sometimes i don't really feel like a walk but like i have to take him out fill his lungs with cold air so that he will sleep better at night so there's a lot of pressure to kind of like still maintain a lot of activity with a two-year-old um because they need constant entertainment like i don't know about other two two-year-olds i think some are some are more capable of sort of playing by themselves but yannick is not one of those two-year-olds he he loves he loves attention he loves being played with he loves you know constant constant um entertainment um which yeah puts puts a lot of pressure on on finding all of the activities that we can in the household and if i can't find them here then taking you outside and once the playground's closed um about 10 days ago that became a lot more difficult because you can't just put them on a slide put them on a swing make them crawl up and climb something and that obviously is like going to exert them a huge amount and then they'll be sleeping early um so that yeah i guess like having him just constantly around in the flat um has been tough also dom is now working from home yeah could you maybe like that uh, that's also something i find interesting um of course both me and georgia (laughs) we both are in the same boat right we're both um unemployed uh, from mid-march both tour guides um you of course live in a household where one of you is working one of you is not is that is that difficult yeah well it was at first like i think um I felt a lot of, um, yeah, I felt a lot of resentment towards him um, for maintaining his job. And I don't think that was necessarily very rational because obviously as a household, it's amazing that we still have an income earner. Um, But at first, you know, when I 
stopped earning a living, when I stopped earning an income to bring into the household, like there was this great sense of of fear that um, we would carry on um, an equal partnership in terms of like the financial side of things, which we've which we've always maintained. But then the only way I'd be able to maintain that was if I dipped into my savings, actually completely extinguished my savings, which would be, probably be used up by about September. So there was like a huge, I guess, like financial burden placed on us when when we went down to one income. But then we agreed that it's, you know, we're just going to live off his income and um, not, you know, use up savings. And essentially, he's just going to pay me to do full time childcare and housework. So there's, we've kind of worked that out. Um, but he is still he's still working and he's working mostly like you know, eight hour days in the bedroom, right? So he's like in the bedroom, we have a lock on the door of the bedroom. So it's quite useful because then Yannick's not going constantly in and out um, because Yannick and Dom have an, an incredibly close relationship. Um, this is this is a boy who who definitely like loves his daddy more than, more than anyone else in the world, which is very, very cute. Um, but it just means that, he just wants to be around Dom all the time. So we have a lock on this door in the bedroom. So we, uh, so yeah, we, we lock Dom in in the morning and then he comes out occasionally. I try and distract Yannick when he does. And then, and then we have done dinner together in the evening. Have you find, if you've, have you found that, um, how do you say that? Like developed a, a little, just a little bit of a new routine already. Because of course, uh, having a having a kid, you have to do certain things at certain times, which gives you a certain routine. But now, of course, that you are not working, all of a sudden there is plenty of stuff that needs to be done that you could do. But it can also feel a bit like, well, what am I going to do with my time? And maybe you could talk a little bit about how, in the beginning, I don't know, you. Well, yeah. How how how's that worked out for you in the past two three weeks? Um, well, I think like si since having Yannick two years ago, um, our lives have been filled with negotiation, like it, almost on a constant basis. Every couple of weeks, when the situation changed a little bit, then we had to renegotiate. You know, who's doing childcare because we do have a fifty fifty childcare partnership, which means that like when something changes, um, you need to negotiate how that's going to play out. Um, like when, when I went back to work after six months and then Don became the, the, the lead child carer, you know, who's going to do evening time and stuff like that. And then, you know, when he went back to work and we were both back at work, who's going to do, or how do we, how do we split that? So I think that we're quite, we're quite used to this level of negotiation. Um, so it was quite easy for us to kind of like negotiate a new routine, which we've now done relatively easily. And it's, it's working really, really well so far. Um, so that wasn't necessarily like the difficult part, but I think that the difficult part was was on my side, um, letting go of the thought that I'm going to get a whole lot of stuff done in this time. Um, you know, the first week or so I was thinking, oh, right, I can I can go back and I can do this project that I've been wanting to do for a while. And oh, I can I can go back and I can do this and and uh, I'll have to find work. So I'll have to be going online and searching for jobs that I can do remotely. And I started even like trying to do that in the evenings after having put him to bed. Um, and it was uh, like that was just causing me so much extra anxiety. And after we'd 
you know, had our discussion about moving down to a, a single income family that depends solely on one income and doesn't go into someone else's savings. I think that's when things started to relax a little bit from my end. And I was just like, well, what do I, how much, how much can I really expect to do when I'm doing full-time childcare? Like how much can I really expect of myself at this time? Now talking about making or creating something, um, you've recently started to uh, write again, um, to blog again, or maybe also journal a little bit again. I don't know exactly. It's maybe a bit of a hybrid of these things using your own um, tour guide experience to, to engage with the city of Berlin anew, um, albeit under slightly di different circumstances. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what Berlin looks like to you right now and, and how you came up with the inspiration to, to write the blog? Yeah, I mean, um, I think what's, what's yeah, I, I have, you're absolutely right. I just started writing a, um, just rewrite or, or going back to writing a blog because I, I used to write one fairly regularly um, before Yannick came along and, and life got kind of much more complicated, much more full. And I think that kind of got left by the wayside to some extent um, or to a massive extent. The last time I actually put an entry was January 2017. But Berlin for me, I mean, I fell in love with the city very deeply when I was like 24, when I first moved here. And it's always been there for me to help me work through whatever I was kind of working through, whether it be some kind of political shift, right? Like a massive political shift. And we've had a few uh, coming from a UK perspective. We've had a few um, over the past like few years and, and using Berlin and Berlin's history and Berlin's um, capacity to weather storms, right? It just like for me, I've always I've always used Berlin as a way of getting through whatever I was going through in life um, and used writing as a, a tool of, of processing. So I just I um I decided like just a couple of days ago just to cycle to the city center because I've missed it so much. Like from Tempelhof, you can see the Fernsehturm, you can see the TV tower. And I go there most days because I live in Schillekeets right next to um, Tempelhof Airport. And I'm there most days anyway with Yannick. And I can see this TV tower and I just, I've missed it so much because yeah, you're absolutely right. This place that we go to almost on a daily basis, the city center of Berlin to do our work and to show it to people and to show it off to people and to and to talk about it in these like loving and excited and passionate terms to people who come and visit and want to be passionate and interested in this city. We haven't been there um, for weeks now. And that was really that was really difficult for me. So I just thought I'm just going to drive out there. So I, I took my bike and I, and I went uh, in the morning a couple of days ago just to go and see the city. And I ended up being quite inspired to write something. And out of that, I feel like I might have started the process of you know writing about Berlin from the perspective of a tour guide going through corona times and I don't really know what it's gonna end up as um but it's um it's it feels like the start of something and um so yeah it's, it's again just developing this 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 theme that has been very prominent in my life for the last seven years since I moved here which is that Berlin has always managed to find a way to be there for me uh, and and help me through tough times and um and now you know i just i love talking about this city i love you know musing about this city and the the core 
theme that I, I want to expose or I want to explore in this writing is the sense of, well, this city has seen worse than this and this city has been through worse than this and it has risen from the ashes so many times that it will rise again and it will become something new because the only thing that you can ever be sure of with Berlin is that it's not going to stay the same. Um, and I, I'm kind of excited to to maybe document that process or, or, or even be a part of that process. That was Izan Chaksi speaking to us from the Schillerkeets. A recurring theme of the show has been the single income household. Before the lockdown, many of us were in a decent 50-50 financial relationship. But now that we tour guides are out of work, we'll have to turn to our partners and have a chat about what the relationship is going to look like financially. Me and Georgia, we're both unemployed at the same time, which kind of makes this a bit easier. We've applied for unemployment benefits as a unit, as a Bedarfsgemeinschaft, as it is called in Germany. But that also means that if one of us gets a job, the other person's benefits are likely to stop. And that means that we effectively become a one income household as well. And what does that mean precisely? Can one of us still be in their pajamas at two in the afternoon on a Tuesday when the other person is going to work five days a week? I'm pretty confident that we'll make that work somehow, but it's interesting how quickly a relationship can move forward over the span of a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of days. Izan mentioned that she's not sure how much work she'll get done during this time of parenting, but I've always known her as someone with a million projects, so I'm sure she's got something brewing. She has a feminist politics discussion group called FemTalk that meets weekly on the Zooms. And of course, Izan's an avid podcaster of her own. You can, for example, listen to conversations on the defeat of the patriarchy, pregnancy, and the many, many reasons why she hates Brexit in her own podcast called Sistrionics. I've put a whole bunch of links to her projects in the show notes and even added a cheeky episode from the old days when we were making podcasts together. Listeners of the low season, I mentioned this already yesterday, but if you know of tour guides that are from other places than Berlin, guides with interesting stories to tell, interesting backgrounds, shoot me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com. I've got enough material for weeks more of Berlin chats, but I like the idea of opening our circle to all the other tour guides that are struggling to make ends meet. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders, artwork by Sergio Membrias. Georgia Riungu can't stay awake after 11 anymore. Tomorrow, we're back to chat to A.L. Edelman. At that time, I thought it was really exaggerated. I mean, come on, canceling flights, canceling uh plans of, of people. It's in China. Come on. Speak soon, my friends. I feel that sentences are going to come soon and then and then my child will be talking to me and that is so cute to think about but also kind of terrifying